honestly, yeah. it's about asking questions. Like if mm-hmm. you understand what is motivating them instead of instead of assuming it, and then you know, then you can actually custom tailor your your approach, you know, to benefit them. Welcome to the Disruptance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric Forney and Michael Bounds. Every week on the show, we aim to disrupt the way real estate agents and entrepreneurs think about life and business in order to make them more profitable and productive. And this week, Mike, what I want to disrupt the way uh, entrepreneurs and real estate agents think about is having all the answers. Because what I want people to understand is that answers are, are worthless. Everything of value is determined in business by the questions we ask not by the answers we provide. And so what I want to unpack today is, is how to ask powerful questions and how to detach from the idea of needing to have all the answers in order to get the best outcome via the best question. Absolutely. I'm kind of dealing with lawyers right now. So like, <laughs> and I've dealt with lawyers in the past and uh, they're You're the, not a fugitive, right? No, I'm not a okay, fugitive, all right, cool, but just cool. in business dealings, I adopted <laughs> yeah. my niece a couple of years ago. And I noticed when I was uh, when I was going through, we were going through a trial. My lawyer did a great job of asking questions to in order to kind of paint a picture. And what's really great is it, it with me. I'm a I'm a wordsmith, so I'm a, a question person. I really appreciated that. It was really important to me in future when I'm hiring people that they are curious about me and they ask a question deeper. What was the, what, what's an example or what do you, what did you appreciate about um, your attorney from a question asking perspective? So you, you ask questions, not only like, like I alluded to this earlier, you, you want to understand uh, where people are coming from. So then you can kind of guide them, uh, you know, based on the information they have. Unfortunately, a lot of times what we do is we rely on muscle memory and we don't listen and we just kind of data dump. You, we all know the salesperson just dumps on you. That's just a lazy way to sell. Yeah. If you, instead of like dumping, why don't you get to understand what is their pain button, their hot button, and then you can use that to fuel them and to fuel you in that relationship. So many salespeople too are quick to assume that like price is the pain point. For right. Everybody. And it might not be, it might just be like, I need this done quick. I, I'll pay whatever it co- like it takes to have this handled. But a lot of salespeople put their self-limiting beliefs in and they're like, that's a lot of money for me. I don't know. Maybe ask it's honestly, yeah. it's about asking questions. Like if you mm-hmm. understand what is motivating them instead of, instead of assuming it, and then, you know, then you can actually custom tailor your, your approach, you know, to benefit them. Which leads me to my first question that I think is a powerful question is why now? Like, why are you doing this now? Why do you want to do these videos now? Why do you want to start this thing now? That always you, then you uncover motivation. Okay. Okay. The only, um, the only thing I would tweak slightly, I love that question because what you're getting at is the idea of your driving timeline-based motivation, right? So the root, uh, the root of the question, why now, is a timeline-based motiva- uh, motivation. The downside to the formatting of the question 
when I think about how do we ask more powerful questions, the, I would tweak it just slightly um, to what about now is important or what about right now? It's less confrontational. Correct. I have to defend so, myself just slightly less. Yeah. That like the question's fantastic, Tyler. I think asking anybody why it overwhelms them. And yeah. if you have like, a person why? that is not as sensitive to time, then it kind of mm -hmm. comes like if I, I could take my time, like then you kind of throw up like, well, I could take the time. And then you mm -hmm. actually create a barrier versus um, and they might stick to that because they're like, right. oh, now I can take my time when you could have talked, talked them or had a conversation of, you know, overcoming, you know, a few things you could have got them to maybe possibly they could have moved sooner or later. So. So I think that's one of the great lessons, though, in in thinking about asking powerful questions is understanding is that one we have to we have to understand you know there are multiple degrees uh, and types of questions that we're going to ask right we we know the the stereotypical version of the closed and open ended question um, and and I've always thought that that um, teaches someone nothing about asking effective questions right is that you you yeah. you hear the like um, first grade level sales um, teacher or coach or sales leader um, say, ask open-ended questions. Well, thanks. That doesn't yeah. really tell me anything about Honestly, how to ask Honestly, it's elementary. Like that, at this point in the game, like that, that's par for the course. Like, come on. Like, where are we in elementary school? Come that's on. right. So then the <laughs> difference then between the technique of open-ended question is understanding is that um, I can I can adjust where just subtle changes in words creates a different outcome Absolutely. or a different response. So, um, what about now is important is different than um, why now, which is also different than um, how about now, right? Or right. Um, how does the how does now impact? your whatever and you is. have to structure that question to get the result the the answer that you're looking for i've told you guys we've talked about this on the podcast you, i could tell my wife your face stops a clock or your <laughs> beauty transcends time and yeah. how i phrase that that phrase my question will elicit a different response so it's just being really super mindful of that so i find that what rooted questions almost always um, compel the person to expound upon their answer. Yes. And another thing is I like to ask a question deeper. So like, okay, when I'm qualifying a client, I like to use, um, I'm, I'm about scripts. So the reason why I like scripts is because I can see trends after years of using the same kind of the same skeletal script. So like, for example, when I'm trying to qualify someone, I have a certain questions that I'm asking and then within those questions I ask a question deeper I want to make sure I understand something really quick so um, because what what you originally elicited in my in my mind when you said that you like scripts and then your next statement was you have a series of questions let me make sure I understand so when you say that you like scripts um, do you have scripted questions that you ask? Yes. Perfect. I want to make sure that people understand that, though, because if you go back to episode 65 where we talked to Dale Archdeacon about conversations that convert, um, we talked about how most scripts that people learn in sales are really ineffective um, unless 
your prospect responds precisely with what you've rehearsed and scripted ahead of time. What you're saying though is is that subtle nuance is that you have scripted questions. Yes. And those scripted questions then elicit a response that you start to be able to identify a pattern for. Yes. And then I have a second deeper scripted question in order to elicit. And so then I get similar responses every time yeah. and you can see patterns of the people that can buy, who can buy now and who can't just based on how they answer those questions. And so it becomes like a decision tree of responses, right? That yes. It, you, you ask a question, the very first one, and then the answer is yes, no, whatever. And you can now start to funnel them through that decision tree of, of, whatever your goal is that you're trying to accomplish. But I think that that's, that that's really important for the listener to understand is that um, there's a big difference between learning scripts, which are typically thought of as like objection handlers, yeah. which I hate yeah. because they're ineffective. Um, you can punch someone in the face with your words and get an outcome, but it doesn't mean it's the most effective way to do it. And that's what objection handlers are for right. the most part is they're just, they're, 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 sales punches right in um, the face like this yeah. is why you need to do this <laughs> that's right <laughs> and it might be convincing but yeah. it's but it doesn't create alignment and it's not nearly as, as empowering as as effective questions and so um for anyone who's listening who thinks that scripts equals objection handler i want to challenge them to think that questions are how we resolve objections right so yeah i want to make sure that we're clear like i don't want to like people think that i'm you know, when I say scripts, I want to be clear on scripts. My scripts, the script that I use is a question. And then based on the result, my the objective is to convert the sale. Do you want to buy a house? Yes or no. And then based on that, on that, on that answer will determine what my next course of action is. Am I setting an appointment with this person? Or am I going to say, hey, can I follow up with you on a, you know, every couple months just to circle back with you from time to time? Yeah. So we talked about there are a few key, there are some like key words to start effective questions with one of one of the most effective being what And I think about um, defining questions into um, the difference between problem questions and people questions. Okay, so a a question about a problem is different and requires a different internal set of processing than a people related question or person related question does. So let me think about a way to try to give you an example of that is that especially we see this in um, it, when coaching salespeople and entrepreneurs is a lot of times um, they, they, um, they bring problems into the conversation. Yes. And if I ask a lot of questions about the problem, then, um, then I get a very different response and resolution than if I ask person related questions. And so the example might be is like, Hey, um, I didn't make my calls today. Hey, I didn't sh um, show up at the office on time. Hey, I didn't set any appointments today. Now, if my, my, my question is problem based, it might be is okay. Well, what got in the way of you accomplishing what you said you were going to accomplish? That creates a very different response than um, internally, especially for that person, than um, um, like the idea of um, what what made you believe that not accomplishing your goal, that not um, showing up on time was an option or um, what what about that story gets you closer to your goals or what about the way you're thinking about your your inaction? Right 
makes you feel more comfortable. The difference is those are those are not the greatest examples of questions in the moment. And however, um, understand the difference. Yeah, it's the hard. This is the hard part. Like if you are, if okay, the 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 result is a or the result is based on a series of of questions or a system, right? So if you still keep getting that result, what is it that you can change within this system to change to where you get a different result? That's like right. On time or whatever that that thing is. So like, that's the hard part. Like, it's all about asking good questions. And so the example I get right now um, in coaching uh, real estate agents, especially is the market, right? That's the, that's the problem I keep hearing is the market I don't have any listings because the market or I didn't get um, my, my buyers. Didn't, I didn't have any pendings last week because uh, I wrote offers the market. And my, my follow-up question typically to that agent is um, what examples in the, what examples in the current market make that statement untrue? What, what, a, what agents in your market are having success? What are they doing? I just and want then to go fir- figure out what I, they're doing. I first just want them to acknowledge that there's someone else out there who's getting a result despite the exact same market. Because if they don't see um, that that's a story of, or a limitation that they've placed upon themselves, we can't move forward effectively. There can't be progress until we accept reality. And so questions based on the person's belief or the person's way of thinking um, uh, will get us a different framework to make progress from than questions based on problems themselves. Got it. So I, I need I need to ask person related questions typically in order to help someone move forward. You got to get them to see that's right that it's a mindset and that they you know there's other mm-hmm. people in the market that's right. that are performing that's right. So then you just have to be able to okay what is it that they're doing. And then just modeling that behavior. Yeah. So I might ask the question then, what's the, <coughs> what's the upside of holding on to this belief? What's the upside to believing the market is the problem? Right? What is that getting you? Right. Because what I want them to articulate is that there is a level of comfort and certainty in believing a limitation for, the, for not getting a result. Right. Right. Like if, if I, if I, um, brought a problem that says, hey, I haven't lost any weight and I'm unwilling to accept the reality or, or a place blame on the fact that I haven't been to the gym and I haven't ate um, on, on a prescriptive diet, then I'm not going to move from my position of being a victim. And what we need is people in sales, especially to move into the position of being victor, which requires person-based questions, not problem-based. Yeah, I'll have a, uh, an agent and I'll be like, be like, hey, I need to make more money. I'm like, bro, you made 10 calls last week. Like, you, you said no appointments. Like, of course you need to make more money because you ain't selling nothing. So, but is it because you're not making phone calls or setting appointments? Or is it because, like, every, I, I always say that. You got to have receipts. And the receipts will dictate the, the lagging indicators. So you got to go to the gym, then you lose weight. Nobody wants to go to the gym. Yeah. When we think about um, asking great questions, one of the the third thing that we we need is we have to have a genuine curiosity. 
and that sounds really ridiculously naive. And, and I don't think so at all. Okay, good. I don't. Because I think you do. I because it's a part of your business. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of people who think they have curiosity, and and I want to challenge everyone to to really um, be introspective about their their true curiosity towards life in general. Right? As we know that children ask, uh, toddlers ask, they they estimate 400 questions a day. And yet, as, as adults, we oftentimes ask fewer than 20. And, and so, at some point in time, we were curious about life. Yeah. And then, as adults, what we became is thinking that we knew... We're experts. The experts about life, instead yeah. of having that curiosity, right? And so, um, and so um, practicing curiosity to build the habit of being curious and questioning everything um, is, a, is a great way to be a lot better at asking good questions. Yeah. I would say like asking good questions, like this is the thing I, I keep telling you guys, like people aren't moving to something, they're moving from something. So, or when you're working with uh, uh, your, your pe people on your staff, understanding what drives them, the only way to really get to the bottom of that is by asking good questions. And, and and so thinking about um, asking good questions and thinking about curiosity means that when you're in a conversation or when you're in the position of being a salesperson, what you have to do is you have to detach from, uh, this is how I think about it, right? This is how I, like, it, it goes in my head at least, um, is you have to detach from being in the story of your mind, the conversation in your head um, and being present truly with the conversation that you're in, right? Is the mistake that most junior or lesser successful salespeople make is being caught up in the conversation of their mind, thinking about how they're going to respond instead of listening to the present conversation. Yeah. Because if we're present with the conversation, what we get is curiosity. Because there are, then are blanks, right? As we know that when we're watching a movie and we're fully like engaged in the movie, whenever there are those suspenseful moments or whenever there's like, um, you know, just suspense in general or there, there's, there um, are aspects of a movie that we don't know the answers to, we want to know, right? Is that we, we, the suspense is not knowing, that's how that's how we have to be in conversations to be effective as salespeople is is believing that we don't know everything yeah. yet, yeah. Either about the prospect or about the prospect situation or about that particular conversation, which then means once we've been able to detach from that story of our mind, we have to have the confidence to ask the question that puts us in the position of sometimes being the dummy or naive or not being the expert. Or we have to ask the question of, that goes, hey, when you said this, tell me more about that. To, to be honest with you, I think that's part, part of our problem. We think we're the expert. And yeah. like if you, the problem is our client or the person we're working with isn't an expert and we have to bridge that gap. We have to meet them where they are. And you just use questions to do that. Absolutely. I'm sorry I cut you off. No, it, absolutely. <laughs> You're spot on because, because we have to be a great listener in order to ask great questions. Yeah. And the mistake that people make in listening is that we're often listening to respond instead of listening to understand. And when we listen to understand, what we know is we almost always um, have a question that we should be asking. Yeah 
because there's something that we didn't understand in communication almost always. In every conversation, there's something that we don't understand. Yeah, I don't know how many. I just had this experience with uh, a person. I'm not going to. And I was just like, I talked to their assistant. I'm like, that dude just does not listen. <laughs> like, he literally just bulldozed. So me. how do you know that? Because I, I ask good questions. Like, so what, is he, like what is he doing? Because it made you? me feel like I, I didn't feel heard after mm. I had a conversation with the guy. Like, yeah. he, he would give me a solution without, like, I'm saying, look, this is where I'm coming from. Can you, we then get a solution based on this? Yeah. And so, but no matter what I would say, he had his canned solution which let me know he wasn't listening. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, at least he wasn't listening with any empathy, right? He right. wasn't listening to your perspective. He wasn't listening to um, provide a, a true solution to what you wanted, right? And, uh, and that's the challenge with, and problem and drawback with scripts is that scripts create this robotic, yeah. um, neutered emotion response that is ineffective when someone um, really wants to feel heard and to get some sort of desired outcome, because questions change that though, yeah. right? Is the question would, would make you feel as though he was listening because really what, the, what a question would do in that particular instance is it would give you the permission to expound more upon your wants and needs. That's what I do. I use a, 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 a certain, it's a script in that it's routine I do it over again, but I use but I instead of using it for overcoming objections, I use it for collecting like whatever information that I'm if I'm lead generating or whatever. So. Tyler is someone who's been um, in in sales in the past and and listens to podcasts incessantly um, and and always ask good questions. What's the effective thing question wise um, for for people for the listener to know? Um. I'm just trying to be like Elon and just take my time to, <laughs> to just take an answer. I love it. Um, I would say, well, like what you just said, Eric, what I, when have we had an, a time where you're like, dang, that was a good question, Tyler. You know, most of the times they are questions that cause me to like, anytime that I think that someone asks a really good question, is it something that like stops stops my thought or interrupts my thought pattern or interrupts a pattern in general that makes me question either what I um, believe or what I just said or, or, or makes me question the like truthiness of something that I'm thinking or, or feeling or believing. Um, like to me, I, I think we put a lot of pressure on like the one great question. Yeah, I love, oh, yeah. I think it's actually a series of questions. So like I try to use, get a series of questions so that I can kind of get clarity around. And then also um, you, I use questions to expand my target. So a lot of times people, for example, will, um, will ask a question like, what's my budget? And so I don't like asking that, that question a lot of times, especially if I'm working with a first time home buyer. I'll say, what are you paying a month in rent? And and and, and I want to get them to actually want to bridge that gap. So are you comfortable talking like a, from a monthly payment perspective or are you more comfortable talking from a budget perspective? But getting clear that we are having the actual same conversation. And then I use questions in order to like bridge the gap. So like, 
or in order to set a floor. So this is your budget. Okay, great. If I found you the perfect home, up to how much would you be comfortable paying if I found you that perfect home? So not only am I getting like a realistic budget, I'm also trying to get a stretch. And then I do that throughout the whole process. So I'm trying to expand my target versus limiting my target. I use questions to do that. Yeah, I, th I think the questions become we're, we're looking for clarity and then we're looking to, to interrupt patterns or to cause people to think about things in a way in which they haven't thought about them yes. before. Yeah. That's where the magic of sales and progress happens is, um, is when people um, think about the, the situation in a way in which they haven't been forced to internally themselves. Right? Because when I think about a salesperson, you know, if, if we go back um, really to one of the earliest episodes we did, which was the idea, which was um, relationships don't matter. What we talked about is the, the challenger was the most effective salesperson. And the challenger is the, is the salesperson who, who questions the prospect in a way in which challenges their perspective so that they can get their desired outcome. It's not like you qu you ask questions to be a, to be a jerk and to be obstinate, but you're asking questions so that the prospect can actually unwind and unpack, and then express their desired outcome, so that you can help be the Absolutely. conduit to what they're trying to attain. Sometimes they don't even understand. Like when you have a conversation, they don't even understand what their problems are. And That's by, right. By asking good questions, you'll give them clarity around what it is that. They, you know, why they're making this yeah. move. Yeah. So if you're talking to a salesperson, so if you're talking to a, um, you know, a prospect in real estate, maybe, um, you know, some of those questions could be like, um, it, what is it costing you either for your health, your family, your relationships to stay in your current environment, to stay in your current home, to stay where you are? Right? Because no one thinks about the opportunity cost of inaction until they're prompted to, right. right? And yet, oftentimes, when you when you think about what staying the same is actually costing you, yeah, then you have the awareness of it, which is, means you can't unsee it. That's a paradigm shift. Yeah, you're trying to shift their paradigm. Like when I'm I'm meeting with 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 clients and they they ask you know they ask about my commission and or they ask about certain they'll ask certain things like okay is it more important to you to uh, sell your home fast or you want to, you know, make the most amount of money. So yeah. absolutely just getting clarity around that so you can take action. Yeah. And then thinking about what would it be, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking with agents, um, oftentimes, you know, a, a leveling question can be, what would it be worth to you to solve these problems? Yeah. Because what I need them to do is quantify what this pain point is actually creating for their business, because if not, it's too easy to ignore it. It isn't until um, we we like actually get really clear internally with our own pain or the, what the what the true cost sacrifice. is. Yeah, that's when. Yeah, we're not willing to act and make the sacrifice until we understand what we're giving up. Right. By doing nothing. Right. I use the example uh, that. Um, so doing it, nothing actually hurts you. Correct. So but, then you have to take action. That's right. So the, the best example I can come up with analogy wise of this is that we all, uh, if you walk in my house right now, I will tell you for a fact that there is laundry on some floor in this house guaranteed. 
and we and we walked past it right and or at least the 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 three of us who live here did um and and we walked past it on you know sometimes multiple times over the course of a day or a week or hell if you have teenagers probably for months right and um and what happens is is we learn to tune out that laundry on the floor we desensitize from it we ignore it however when someone comes along and they and they ask you to bring your awareness to it then you can't walk by it and unsee it anymore right you can't walk right. by it and not notice that you're walking past right. that obstacle on a regular basis it becomes noise yes. in your in your field of vision and so what what you what I'm trying to do with prospects then is is I'm trying to help them see the noise that the they ignore the blue pill or the red pill That's once right. you unsee it you can't like you That's can't, you can't unsee, unsee it. it and so yeah. so the question powerful questions then are designed then to help us bring that red pill blue pill experience so they have to take action there there is no no them staying put That's right because staying put is also being in pain yeah. Right. It's bringing awareness to the negative present of inaction. Love it, man. And, and so that's what that's really in a sales conversation where we're trying to um, design those those curiosity based questions is to bring awareness to the actual negative present because we become um, immune to that. But it starts with um, that's finding their pain. So yeah. Then you can then that's all this is, y'all, like finding their pain so then you can help them make a uh, informed decision. That's right. And so um, questions become, uh, there's a series, as we wrap this up, I want people to understand that that questions, um, there's no such thing as being good or bad at asking questions. Because we all know that toddlers are fantastic at asking questions. And so we all have the ability and the skill set to ask them. The, The problem is, do we have the practice? Right. Did we did we quit approaching life and relationships with the curiosity of toddler questions? Um, and if so, then we need to get in the practice and the habit of asking more questions in order to be better at sales and yeah. better at consulting to solve problems. Yeah, we're it's uncomfortable, and we as everything that's going on right now, we don't like to be uncomfortable, and so you gotta like. We feel like we're intruding. We feel like we're we're doing things. But when I go to the doctor's office, he's got to ask me some. If I come in there, he's got to ask me questions about it. So you have to be a consultant. You have to be a professional, and you have to ask really good questions in order to get a great res- or get your the result that you're looking for. One last question: Any resources that somebody might go to, or videos, or interviews where you? Can you recall from the top of your head where they could check out? Oh man, um, uh, where there was some good question asked. That is happening. a that that is a really good question, Tyler. <laughs> you know, I um, people will people will tell me um, somewhat regularly that they that I ask good questions and um, and I've tried to really think about like where does that come from. One, I think I'm genuinely really curious about like everything. If you saw my YouTube playlist or like what my you know YouTube algorithm looks like, it's ridiculous. Like it is the most disconnected, um, like tangent filled garbage. Um, and yet I'm curious about like everything on my on my YouTube feed. Um, and and so I say that because uh, we all I think have this innate curiosity about life. So long as we first accept that we don't know 
nearly as much as we like to think that we know. We have to accept that we are all um, nothingness from an intelligence perspective in the grand scheme of the complexity of life. When we make peace with that, then we can have curiosity because we know that we're starting from like ground zero almost every day in a total intellect standpoint. But when when I think about being curious, I think about some of the best um, people to, to study are those that ask really good questions. In my mind, I've always said that, um, that Howard Stern is the best at asking questions to generate the, the best results and the best answers, the best responses and entertainment from his guests. Entertaining results. like to yeah. get that in entertaining clip. I did not, I did not like Howard Stern in the nineties, like the E like, um, porn version of Howard Stern, right? The private parts version. Um, not, not really a fan of that version. He's, as he's gotten older and his show has matured and, and evolved, um, the, the last decade of Howard Stern questions has become um, such a great case study of how to ask curiosity-based questions to elicit um, the most information from someone that you're in a conversation with. 